There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Oh my gosh, everybody. 2020 finally loosened up, (laughs) took a turn for the best. And ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump is no longer going to be the president of the United States. I could easily keep politics out of this podcast, um, and I I will always see both sides. But in this instance, whew, I cannot keep my mouth shut. Why would I? What type of world would we be living in if I did? Um, thank goodness. Thank goodness. I, I It's scary how many people still voted for him. I'm in a neighborhood that is full of those people. I am not one of them. Um, I think that pretty much anybody could be a better president than Donald Trump. And uh, he is no longer going to be our president in January of 2021. Thank God. I am thinking back to the 2016 election when I was a big fan of Hillary Clinton's, voted for her, and was so excited to wake up the next morning having the first female president of my lifetime, only to wake up to the horror that has been last four years. It's insane to me how much we've normalized this insanity because we've had to, because it is what it is. He's the president and like uh, the alternative is just being stressed out and mad every day for four years straight. I used to watch the news. I used to be such a news junkie. I had to turn it off because even my favorite networks had fed into the bullying. They were just doing it in the opposite direction. Anyways, the reason, one of the reasons that I bring it up on this podcast is because we have a beautiful woman as our vice president. And I was telling my five-year-old this morning how isn't it exciting? Isn't it amazing? The first woman in the White House uh, as the vice president. And as those words were coming out of my mouth, I couldn't believe it. Like, I can't believe that this has taken so long. It seems like it seems like something that should have happened so long ago before Hillary Clinton, like years ago. It's just, it's crazy how far we've come in certain ways and how much we still have to do. So 
it's uh, it's progress, everybody. Um, there's still a long way to go. Um, and with all of this being the current climate that we're in, in the most insane year, with so much tension, I just, I hope that this is a break. Like, I hope that this is a sign of things to come. Um, we, we were driving around on Saturday, like, and minutes after everything was announced, um, there was dancing on the street, music, people honking their horns and cheering. And it was a really beautiful thing that I haven't experienced that in, in years. And, uh, and hearing Joe Biden's speech, um, it sounded like what a president should sound like in my opinion what I was used to president sounding like and it it put me at ease um so I hope that this I hope that this year is finally taking a turn for the better I hope that everyone listening um feels you know some sort of relief whether he was the person that you voted for or not um, I hope that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably a supporter of women in business. And um, I'm so proud that we are a country that finally has female leadership from the top. You, we've had it for years um, in other roles, but we need it from the top. Like, let's set that example. Let's set that precedent because it's so important. Anyways, this is going to be a really awesome episode. Lisa Filippelli hosted an event. She's official mentor of WIM. Um, It was all about burnout, which is obviously something that is incredibly pervasive in our industry in particular, but certainly pervasive in other industries. And oh my God, in 2020, it's just pervasive. Um, We talk about what it feels like going through it, being in the middle of it, and how to get beyond it. She's someone who I think of as having reached a lot of success, um, yet she's incredibly humble and um, very open and honest about her own struggles. past, present, and future that she goes through. And I really respect that. She is like the epitome of what I want for women to be, which is a group that really celebrates women and helps each other out, just honest and real. And, um, and you know, we can do it together if we all approach it in that way. So she is a model WIM member. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast and I really hope you enjoy her today. Oh, and uh, if you can, please go ahead and rate us five stars. I know I've been asking a lot lately in the last few episodes and it's been incredible to see how many of you are doing it. Um, just take two seconds if you could shoot us five stars if you really enjoy what you're hearing. I would so appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Lisa Filippelli is a partner at Select Management Group, which is a leading management firm representing next generation talent, as well as producing award-winning original content and developing new ventures. She manages some of today's leading digital talent, such as Tyler Oakley, Amanda Steele, and Aspen Ovard, helping them build careers beyond creator status, aligning them with Fortune 500 brands tied to merchandise, TV, film, books, touring, consumer products, and endorsements. 
And as a change agent in the industry, Lisa is redefining the talent manager paradigm and has been recognized for her success with a daytime Emmy nomination, inclusion on the Hollywood Reporter's Next Gen list, and featured in Entrepreneur. Lisa, it's been like a whole week since we've seen each other. <laughs> you, were, you, so, you so graciously did uh, an event for us, which went so well, but I'm so happy to now get the opportunity to chat with you more personally on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were put in touch by another member of our uh, of Whims, um, who just had like glowing things to say about you. And we were looking for mentors in the group. She is also one of our mentors. And she was like, you've got to speak with Lisa. I was like, okay, I've never actually met Lisa before. And it's been really nice getting to know you. So we learned a little bit about you in the intro to the podcast. We read your bio. That's you on paper. Tell us a little bit more about yourself in your own words and sort of your influencer marketing journey and how you made it to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. I would say I'm someone who's kind of always been career obsessed and type A. Um, I started, I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania. I majored in dance in college, which is just a weird fun fact. I did ROTC for two years at Lehigh University, thinking I was going to be a lawyer and go into the military, which was a really wild thought in 2003. Um, I ended up getting an internship at Nickelodeon and casting and really loved it there and was I'm incredibly excited to get a job offer right out of school and freelanced there for about six months on a bunch of different projects and then went to CAA after that. I was at CAA for about four and a half years. I started as a receptionist during the writer strike. I left as an agent trainee in the commercial endorsements department. I thought it was all really fascinating and interesting and um, noticed that brands were spending money on the internet. I was doing Twitter deals and was like, we could do a lot of this. I noticed that, um, you know, there were a lot of mid-tier talent that wouldn't get these, you know, multi-million dollar partnerships that the talent at the, the A-list talent at the company would get. Um, but they always wanted to work and were interested in working. And I was like, this could be a really interesting opportunity. Um, but it, it's not a super high return. Um, you have to do a lot of it. You have to scale it quite a bit. If you're going from, you know, a two and a half million dollar deal a year to a $25,000 tweet, um, it's a really big difference on the return. Um, so I always thought that there was something there though. So I was really interested in learning how the internet was working, what was going on. Um, I had quite a few people at CAA really helped and support me get into the next part of my career, which was working with talent on the internet. Um, I went to Dance On, which is an MCN focused on dance, thinking it would be like the be all end all for me. Um, it was such a great place for me to learn like the basics of internet celebrity and the growth that was happening there. Um, and my being there led me to wanting to manage this talent. I noticed so many didn't have representatives and um, were working on deals that were $500. And it felt like a really low rate for somebody who was getting several hundred thousand impressions, if not millions. Um, and I really just kind of went from there. I went over to Big Frame um, where they had a management department. I met Sarah Penna, who just is like the love of my life. She is amazing and still like one of the most important 
people I've ever met in my career. Um, and Steve Raymond, who was the co-founder with her of Big Frame, they let me do whatever I wanted. It was like the greatest job ever. Um, I think Steve said at one time, like the best thing to do is get out of the way of like your employees. And they really just let me go. Like I could do kind of whatever. I could try a lot of things. I could just, you know, figure it all out. It was great. Um, I started working with Tyler Oakley when he had about I think 10,000 Instagram followers and 100,000 YouTube followers. And it was amazing just to sit down with him and be like, what do you want to do? Like, okay, let's try everything. Let's try hosting and books and tours and merch and licensing and everything. And then um, my experience being so much in fashion and beauty from CAA, I stayed in touch with so many of the contacts and buyers, many of whom are now uh, we members, which is awesome. Um, and how I think we reconnected Jesse through Tanya, who I know from CAA from working on like a number of different um, celebrity endorsements with her. And uh, I, through that was able to do a, a lot. I built up my roster. I've done a lot of different partnerships. I've done a lot of different programs. I've worked with so many talent. I've you know been privileged to meet some amazing people. I was on a campaign trail with Hillary Clinton. I've met Michelle Obama. Like I, it has been great and super enjoyable. And, and that's really it. Oh my gosh. That's it. You're so funny. You just <laughs> dropped Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama. And then you end with, you know, no big deal. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I just heard Hillary Clinton on Bethany Frankel's podcast, two women who I really love. Do you know Hillary Clinton has her own podcast now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, you now work it with celebrities. You mentioned Tyler Oakley is one of your clients amongst some others. And I, I have a sense that working in the celebrity space, even in the influencer celebrity space, is very much its own thing. Um, so I'd love to hear you know, about that, you mentioned also, like, as Tyler was coming up, you guys explored all these different things. We've had this discussed on the podcast quite a bit about, you know, like what the future of influencer marketing from a management perspective, um, meaning like, what do you do with your talent as they grow, 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 you get them all these brand deals, but like, are they going to do brand deals, deals their whole life? Or are they going to ultimately be their own brand, which of course is sort of the transition into the celebrity space. So you're there. I would love to hear like what those conversations are like once they've reached this peak, like then what do you advise them on what's next? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really different for every single talent that you're working with. Like some are actually really content to just like partner with brands, work together, do their thing. And that's it. Like have families, like it's a nine to five job for a lot of creators. And there's literally nothing wrong with that. Um, I think that lots have aspirations to build their own brands. I work with Amanda Steele and her be all end all was have a fashion line. And we have one, we um, actually will be launching an ASOS on November 11th, I believe is when it launches. Um, but she's had it for two years. She personally designs it herself. It took us almost three years of meeting with people to find the right partner. And now you literally could send 20 emails to 20 different companies who can do it. But um, Amanda was really, you know, one of, one of the first from like sort of the influencer side to really do it. And she is so hands on, like it's her baby. She has taken steps back from every part of her career to really focus on it. Um, 
but that's like what she wants her legacy to be. She's like, I want to do this full time every day. Like this is the thing that brings me the most joy and the thing I'm the most passionate about. And that's, that's really where, where she's focusing. Um, and then I have other clients who want to be actors. I work with Ben J Pierce, who did a pilot for the CW um, a year ago called Glamorous. Um, and he's heavily focused on that. I work with Andrea Russett, who just released her first single and we're focusing on getting her EP out. It's already doing really well. We're having a really positive reaction to that. So, so much about just the management is listening to your talent and asking them what they want. I actually just posted, um, you know, a story today about Tyler in 2016 got really active in politics and we worked with a major, major, major television personality name who I will not name, but has been in the press quite regularly. And their team was very frustrated with us um, in how vocal and active he was in politics um, because they felt it was hurting his brand. And I was talking with Ty this morning. It was just like, I'm just glad you did it. Like at the end of the day, like there were opportunities and there was so much to do, but he really values democracy. Um, and saw that he had this opportunity to reach people in a way that others couldn't. And so has been incredibly vocal about that. And so um, I think that there's so much to do and so much has to do with what do you wanna use your voice for? Um, I've always tried to work with talent who I feel like I'm friends with and could hang out with and spend time with because Otherwise, I, I don't see the point. Like you have to like the people that you're working with. How else are you going to do this job well? Um, so for me, it's really just about finding strong, amazing people who have a point of view and aren't afraid to say it. And also like, I I just want to be able to sleep at night. It's a, it's a tough, complicated world. And um, being able to do that is so important to me. Yeah. And I think you really nailed it there because um, I think that's what really makes um, a really talented talent manager is one who is really in tune with what their talent is specifically looking to do, like what their long-term goal is. Like you said, like, I guess if a, if a talent or a celebrity talent, you know, wants to do brand deals all day, every day, go for it. Um, I just think that it, it's it's up on the on the manager to really facilitate that type of conversation to say like you're in this really fortunate position influencer yeah. you can essentially do whatever the fuck you want to do which is so cool that's one of the reasons why so many people want to be an influencer it just opens up doors um and so you know it's key to be able to align yourself with a team or you know a manager or you know as you grow a team to be able to to have the keys to those doors as you want them to be opened totally um, yeah. And so, you know, talk to us a little bit about select and, you know, it sounds like you guys are working on a ton of different things, but like, what do you feel like are your main capabilities and the things that like you guys really nail in terms of um, opportunities for your talent? Yeah. I mean, I think we've always taken an approach to talent management really differently. I think that if you look at the traditional landscape of representation, specifically within management, it's a hyper focus on one thing, whether that's casting in theatrical projects or releasing music or doing a brand deal. Um, we really try to bridge that gap in every single lane so that we can be 
a little bit of everything. I think the internet has made everybody more of a generalist and less of a specialist, which I think is a good thing. Um, I think I was a specialist for a really long time in endorsements and then um, being a manager made me a generalist. It made me good at a lot of things, um, which I think is as a manager, a more valuable thing. When you're an agent, you're hyper-focused on one specific thing that you're working on, whether that's books or talent or endorsements or licensing or whatever it may be. As a manager, you need to have a knowledge about all of those things. And that's what makes the job really fun and interesting for me. Like on any given day, um, I have no idea what to expect. I might be talking to you know, Shutterfly in the morning and Apple Music in the afternoon and, um, you know, doing a podcast in the evening, which actually doesn't happen that often. Um, maybe a producer or a production company or a writer or whomever. I think it changes all the time. And, and for me, someone who, you know, likes to kind of be more creatively involved, it's more rewarding for me to work with talent who want to do a little bit more than just the bare minimum. And I think not that that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but I think as a company as well, what we do great and what we really want to do is be a place where talent want to do it all and not just one thing. And I think that there's more and more talent who are doing that, who are leveraging their social media to book shows or to release music or to take more traditional paths or be a personality or whatever it is. It's, it's we have that expertise on both sides now that we can, we can kind of do it all. Well, look, it's fantastic, you know, to be able to have the opportunity, like one of your clients to, you know, speak on democracy, you know, to speak on whatever issues they want to speak on because they can. And it really is just like, a, it's, it's a, it's a choice about what path you want to go down. Like maybe it does hurt your quote unquote brand. If there are very conservative brands that just want to avoid that in this day and time, I don't know how that's even possible. I like, I think influencers should be more vocal about things that they believe in and whatever they believe in, but that's just my personal opinion. My question to you is more of a personal one. You know, you said, you know, you, you really like to dabble in a lot of the creative and, you know, your days are different every single day. And it just sort of, you're more of a, become more of a generalist than a specialist. So how is your wellness journey going personally? We just did an event together about burnout. Um, I know a lot of women listening, women who attended the event, all sorts of women in our group have 1000% experienced this feeling. Um, it's very super pervasive. And like, I, you know, I won't have you rehash our event together, but even I think it, I, I wanted to chat with you on the podcast after the event to sort of just see like, all right, so you gave that talk and like a week or so removed from it you know, what do you, what do you feel now about the topic of Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack at VCU health poly heart center. We know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. Burnout. Yeah, I mean, I feel incredibly burnt out. I, um, I, I 
tweeted about this last night. My husband and I got a new puppy about nine weeks ago. Um, we decided to get this new puppy a couple months ago when my husband was um, not working as regularly. He's a photographer, so he has to go on set and do things. And he was like, I have some time right now. It would be a good time to get another dog. And like the second the puppy arrived, my husband got booked every day um, and he won't potty train. And uh, the state of the world is really complicated because I do have a hand in some capacity in politics with some of my clients. Um, and I just had a meltdown last night in my closet. I just cried for hours and like wouldn't move. And I just locked myself in there. And I, I said to my husband, I was like, I can't, I, I can't do it. And of course he left this morning on a trip uh, for work that he had to do with an artist and uh, he's gone for five days. And so I'm here for five days alone. Um, and we have major construction going on in our home right now too. And I was on a set yesterday where there was a COVID scare. So it's just like, it's all sort of boiling. And the election in fucking what, six days? Like it's so overwhelming right now. And I'm just like allowing myself to be a disaster. If this were a video, everybody would be like, this woman has lost it. She's done. Like we should check on her. Um, and I think that I'm just kind of okay with that. Like being okay in this moment of just knowing I don't have it together. My house is a mess. Um, there is probably a dog accident downstairs that I haven't noticed yet. Like it's just, you got to give yourself some space to just be not okay. Um, one of my girlfriends sent me this amazing podcast that Brene Brown did about how you like have to complete the cycle of burnout <laughs> um, before you can get through it, that you can't really do anything with it. Like it's going to be there. It's going to happen. And you just have to like push through it. Like pretending like it doesn't exist is not going to help anybody. It's like, you have to acknowledge it and learn from it and then move on and be better from, from that. And I think like I don't know, maybe I'm 75% of the way through the burnout cycle and we'll see what happens after next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do weekly therapy. Um, my only vice is eating whatever I want. So I continue to do that. Even if it's not the most healthy, I try to have one to two healthy meals a day and one that's not so great because I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't do any of those things. Not that Again, anything is wrong with it. Everybody's got their thing. Um, I eat cupcakes in excess and I have no apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, one of the, one thing that I loved about your talk and I just love about your philosophy on this as we hear you now is like you're just very honest about it all. You know, one thing that I really took away from um, from your event was just like, it, it, this is not going to be event an event about how to avoid burnout because that's not possible. Like that's not reality. Right. Um, and so, you know, you even shared, you're like, here's a close group of friends of mine. We're going to keep everybody anonymous. And, you know, we're just going to say the, you know, you shared with us sort of like where everybody is in their own cycle of burnout, like you just said. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's comforting to know that everyone goes through this and every, and like, 
it's so blatantly obvious in a year like 2020, but still it's not something that everybody likes to talk about. Nobody, especially in like, we're in an industry where like everything's so pretty all the time, you know, and everyone is, everything's so perfect in an Instagram photo and a this and a that, and like a, a snapshot, you know, like a, a article written up about somebody, like they always talk about all the good things. And like, those are fantastic. And, and those are there too. Um, but I just think that there's so much value in sort of like peeling that back a bit and just knowing that like somebody like you who is incredibly successful and like is doing wonderful things is also just human like everybody else and like this too shall pass and it's part of of the whole cycle like you said um and like we all experience this so the goal would be to maybe experience the turmoil or the pain a little bit less of course but I think step one is just sort of talking about it so that we could all sort of collectively help each other get through that. And, and, and there's, you know, there, there are so many, one of the beautiful things about this industry is it's pretty female dominated, which is like absolutely incredible and kick-ass. And I think that women have a really interesting take on how we handle stress. I will speak personally and just say like, I try to like plow through it. Like there's a weird sick part of me that like enjoys it or else I wouldn't continue to do it. Yeah. Um, but we really freaking need to take care of ourselves too, or else we're not going to be in the best state in order to do all the incredible things that are at our fingertips. So I don't, you know, I, I guess I just wonder, like, if you could impart a few words of wisdom to somebody listening who might be in the thick of it right now, like maybe in a closet crying because, you know, you were there last night and I was there last week. <laughs> you know, like, like, what would you say to that person who's just in it right now? You know, it's so funny. I, um, I, I do think about like the, the, the women who have the picture of perfect lives and like straight up, some women have their shit together. Like they haven't figured out, they can manage stress. They can like handle these things. Like I have one client who just is like a superwoman, and she just like really knows how to process things really well. And I don't know how she does it. And she's also younger than me. And I'm like, I am a disaster. And this, this woman is just, she handles her whole family and three businesses and her children. And it's just so impressive to me. Um, but then on the other side of it, in the time that you just spoke, two different women in my life texted me about breakdowns that they were having, literally like two different people. Oh my God. <laughs> and I had to be like, I'm doing a podcast right now, literally discussing this. I'll message you right back. But one is going through major structural changes at work one is like going through sort of some relationship stuff. And I'm like, I can, like, I can relate to you on both things. And, and, you know, one of the things that I had mentioned in, you know, the burnout conversation is like, if someone is reaching out to you, like be there for them, they trust you so much, like find people who are there for you and like find those people. Like, it's so important. Like you have friends who know what you're dealing with, like, and identify who those people are and like, let them be your like safe haven. Like that is so okay. Like having people is, is just really important. Um, so I think that like to anybody who's going through it, just know you're just not alone. Like everyone is dealing with some level of 
chaos right now. Even the most put together, wonderful, amazing, super women, like they all have their thing, you know? And it's yeah. just- If they said they didn't have a thing, I would so call bullshit on that right totally. now. Totally. <laughs> Totally. And it just is a matter of like what they're willing to expose themselves to the world. Like you're right. Like social media is just the, it's the, you know, it's a pretty curated, lovely life that you, you build in front of a screen. It's not the like, you know, like arguing over who's walking the dog in the morning because you just want 10 more minutes of sleep. Like that's, there's so many varying degrees of it, but I would say like, look at your network. Also use the internet, like find people on the internet to connect with. If you feel like you don't have that person in your life, it's like getting in the back of a taxi cab in New York city and telling the driver everything that's going on in your life. And you're like, why did I just do that? Like it's sometimes easier to talk to a stranger. Um, and I think that that's okay. Also, like, there's nothing wrong with therapy. There's nothing wrong with seeing a psychiatrist. If you feel like you need that in your life, like just take care of yourself in whatever form it may be and try to prioritize that. Um, because I think, you know, just you say like, you're a successful woman. And I'm like, success is so subjective. Like, yeah, but like, I could really be working on my personal relationships significantly more than I am on my work relationships. I feel like I'm doing a great job at work and um, some days and some days I feel like I'm doing a great job at my marriage and some days I feel like I'm failing at both miserably. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's just tough. Like there's no human being in the world who you should be spending every day with for nine months. And now a lot of people in relationships are doing that. It's not, it's not sustainable. It's not easy. Like it's not normal yeah. at right. all whatsoever. I was talking to somebody just last week who, or I think she posted it on Facebook. She was like, some days I'm a rock star at my job and some t- days I'm an amazing mother and they never happen on the same day. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. so true. That is so true. So true. So true. And I think it just, it's just complicated and difficult and, and trying and tough. It is. It is tough. Um, it is tough, especially now. I look like I, I, we are, someone reminded me just this morning. She's like, not only is the election next week in a few days, but also daylight savings and, you know, also Halloween and all, like all these things. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, whew, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, and I came across, you know, it was funny. I came across a Facebook memory that I wrote last year in 2019 that said this, it said 2020 goal. I want to travel more. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. You know what? <laughs> Ironically, mine was travel less, but I didn't mean this much less. <laughs> You know that I have a dog with separation anxiety. We're talking all about dogs before we started recording. So I have a lovely, lovely dog and she's incredible, but she has a lot of issues. She has separation anxiety. And we joke that like Jojo is like, I don't know, she she willed the pandemic to happen. Oh yeah. She is never gonna be alone <laughs> again in her whole doggy life. And like how incredible it is that this little dog like, like, I won't tell anybody because they'll hate my dog. But yeah, she absolutely willed COVID to happen. Like, this is her dream. <laughs> so, you know, look, it's all how you look at things, right? <laughs> yeah. Our 
our older dog had major separation anxiety. And actually now with the second dog, he's gotten so much better. Like we leave that he is, we used to leave the house and he would bark for hours. And we we're like, this is so bad. Now the second dog, he doesn't do that anymore, but the second dog has brought us so many other issues. And I'm like, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so yeah, much. it just, it's <laughs> so much, but yeah, they say that sometimes you get them a friend yeah. and it, it, you know, it all, but goes away. They're just very social animals. Yeah. Um, but, but like our, I will say our older dog is like, he's thrilled. He's thrilled that we're home all day, every day, never leaving, like always here. Like it's just his dream. Mm-hmm. He's the happiest he could be guarding the house all day while we're in it. A hundred percent. But it's so uh, like, look, this is such a personal note, but like I, I used to foster dogs a ton. Um, and it sounds like you're very into dogs too. There have yeah. been so many really lovely stories this year how like shelters have been emptied like they've never been ever because people are so seeking companionship uh going through covid and there have been so many more adoptions than ever before um so i like i'm in tears sometimes when i'm like watching these stories and stuff it's the sweetest thing ever it's like there are some silver linings this year. You gotta, you gotta look at those too, man. Find them. Holy moly! So I have a question about. Um, I was reading your bio over, and at the end of your bio, which we all heard in the intro, uh, it talks about how you're redefining the talent manager paradigm. Um, I'd love to hear, just generally speaking. Your thoughts on management. We've had a bit of conversations uh, on this show about how the future of management and like what that looks like and how management models like perhaps have problems sometimes as talent and managers aren't always on the same page about things. And look, you've been, you know, you've worked with talent in a lot of different capacities at traditional talent agencies like CAA to select to everything in between. I feel like you have a really good broad, you know, idea of what it is to be, to have a successful relation, uh, talent manager, influencer, talent relationship. So talk to us about, you know, sort of the future of talent management and like where you'd like it to go. Yeah. I mean, I think that like in every talent industry, there's not really like a training ground for it. Like a lot of music managers or a lot of managers in general, like are just friends of friends of friends who got in at the right time and and noticed an opportunity. Um, There's not really like a a pedigree or a certification to be a manager, um, which can sometimes be really challenging. I think early days, I had probably had more unhealthy relationships with my clients where I was certain I I needed to be. And I know I mentioned I'm, I'm friends with them, but like I'm healthy relationship friends with them. I don't spend every weekend with them. Like we talk Monday through Friday occasionally like a few times a year, see them, you know, in a social personal setting, but like, I don't spend every waking moment with them every weekend with them. You just can't, you like, can't do your job. Well, if you're too in it, like you have to have a a layer of, you know, care around what your client is doing and have their best interest. You can't just be a yes person. You have to help guide them. You have to have difficult conversations. You have to know like saying no to your talent or having a disagreement has to be understood about your relationship. Like being a yes person is not being a good manager. 
Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's what happens a lot with a lot of talent where, you know, they get to a certain status and their teams are afraid to say no to them um, or have a conversation with them or, you know, try to guide them in a different direction. Um, so I think that it's, it's just important to have a healthy balance and understand that while the business is personal, you always have to be professional. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. And, and I've, I've witnessed that before. I think that, you know, look, like at the end of the day, like managers don't make money unless their talent makes money because most right. of them are permission based. So I understand coming at that relationship with, with a little, a, a healthy sense of fear. And to your point about like always wanting to yes them, right. You always want to keep your clients happy. Yeah. You always want to keep them with you. It's so common that, you know, other managers, the second your manager starts or your second, your talent starts to take off, other people are going to be swarming around them to swoop them up and convince them, you know, that they're better suited to represent you um, and how tempting it might be to always be a yes person, um, no matter what they want to do. But like, right. look, man, it's like, it's, it's not best. It doesn't value, it doesn't benefit anybody to go down a rabbit hole of like false promises. Like it's such a waste of time. Nobody's going to find success in that direction. It's like the people on American Idol, man, who are like week one that like sound like they're a dying cat trying to sing. And you're like, dude, there are so many people in that person's life in the, in that person's life that like told them you could be a singer someday. <laughs> it's like, right. no, <laughs> that person is not going to be a singer someday. And I am not about being a dream crusher, but like there has to be a point when you have to be honest. Right. And yeah. like, and like that has to be, that has to be taken into consideration. So, you know, like what I, I'm, I'd love to be a fly on the wall into some of your like strategy conversations too. You're not getting talent, like week one American Idol talent, like you're getting really right. incredibly talented people. Um, and sometimes, you know, they want something though, that's like more of a stretch. It's not such an obvious thing, but they really want it. What would your strategy play be for that person? It's managing expectations. Like it just takes time. Like everything that you do takes time. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I think that, um, there's a, like some, I don't know, try like Instagram thing. That's like, you don't eat the fruit the day you plant the seeds, which is like, so true. Like that's it. Like when you're working with a talent, you're committing to years and years and years and years and years of work. Like many of my clients I've worked with for at least five, if not more years. Um, Tyler and Amanda and I are all approaching like the 10 year mark really soon. And it's like crazy to think that I've been working with these same people for so long, but you just become part of their life and, and you just take time and it changes every single day. Like you think about the life cycle of a talent too, especially on the internet, it's not long. Um, so, so you have to find ways to keep your talent sated in the work that they're doing. It's, it's important to them. And so talk to me, like, I, I feel like you're somebody who has a really great amount of self-awareness. So if you were to talk, if somebody else, if somebody else were to talk to one of your clients today that you've been with for almost a decade, 
Why do you think that they've stuck with you for all of that time? Um, mutual respect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, um, we respect each other's viewpoints and each person is working hard. Um, yeah, I sort of always describe it as I'm the person in the passenger seat with the instructions while they're the person driving the car and they can take different routes and they can make wrong turns and I can guide as best I can, but sometimes we throw out the map. Um, and I think it's really just about a, a, a relationship that is valuable to both people. I love that so much. Well, I have so much respect for you. I am so thrilled that you could come on today. Um, we ask this question of everybody who comes on. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. Um, the question is, what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? Slow down. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for myself, I was really ready to like hit major milestones so fast. And, um, I think there's like the startup mentality of, you know, move fast and break things. Um, and I, I really think slow and steady wins the race. Like it's just being consistent. Um, that has what I will attribute to, um, whatever we're calling success. Um, I have in my life, I, um, I've rushed things. I've, not thought through things. I think it's really easy to just want to go faster all the time. And it's, you're going to get there. <laughs> like you'll get there. It'll happen. Like, don't worry, like stay the course. It'll, it'll work out. It's going to work out. I love that so much. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of women listening are definitely going to want to reach out and connect with you. Um, obviously, you're a member of WIM, but um, what's the best way for people to reach out? Um, internet, these, like any social media. I'm Lisa Flip on all social media. And then my email is lisa at select.co. Amazing. We will list all of that in the show notes. It is such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. It was great chatting. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time. And thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more 
at vcuhealth.org slash heart.